Welcome to Package, the official podcast of the Liquor Stores Association of Western Australia. Your host today, Peter Capsanis. Hello again, welcome to the show, nice to have your company. Today we're talking all things driftwood. The word is synonymous with the food chain where driftwood provides important food and shelter for birds and other aquatic life as it floats along in the ocean. The word is also well known with one of the best wine brands in WA based in Margaret River. Driftwood Wine Estate was founded in 1989 by Helen and Tom Galopoulos. The vines have produced some internationally award-winning drops, reinforcing Margaret River as a premium-producing wine area. More recently, Driftwood joined the LSAWA family by becoming a proud corporate partner. Soon we'll hear from the estate's chief winemaker, Kane Grove, but before that, I'd like to welcome Driftwood's very own Helen and Christian Galopoulos, son of Tom and Helen. Helen, Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here Great today, Peter. To Fantastic. This is a, a double delight, so to speak. I mentioned the winery started in 1989. Helen, obvious question, why did you and Tom invest in the estate to begin with? Well, it started from, we used to spend a lot of holidays down there when the boys were very young. And um, one day I happened to mention to Tom that it would be really nice to own some property here. Uh, where we could come and enjoy the beautiful scenery and everything down south. And he laughed at me and he says, <laughs> who goes to the country? <laughs> so that was the end of that conversation. And then um, on one of our other trips, he said, oh, you know what, I think I'll go and see an agent and see if he can have a look at, show us some property. And I thought, oh, wow, okay. So we were shown a number of properties down there of various scenery and... um, Mum had two conditions. Of course she did. No no half-built houses and uh, no uh, wrecked car bodies rusting on the property. What, what size are we talking about when, when the, um, the, est- the estate, the whole vineyard, how, how big acres? is it? 100 acres. Okay. Was it 100 acres to begin with, Helen? Yes. Were there lots of vines on the property at the time? No, there weren't um, any vines. It was just um, natural bushland with um, cattle on there. Cattle? Yes. A lot of cows, barely a dam, nothing. Had a stream running through it, which was one of the things that I said it must have water on there. Um, but I didn't want old old machinery and I didn't want an old house because I knew that I'd be stuck with the old house. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know what they say, happy wife, happy life. And Dad had one condition as well. His was that it had to be on a main road so he could have visitors come and find <laughs> him easily. <laughs> All right, so when did the whole winery business, the whole vineyards kick into play? I mentioned that uh, it started in 89. Is that uh, is that a fair recollection? I think we bought the property in the mid-80s and then Tom says, uh, oh, I think I'll plant some wines just in front of the house here, see how they grow. Does Tom fancy himself as a bit of a winemaker? No, look, he he has a say in just about everything, but I think he's uh, smart enough to let the uh, winemaker make the wine. How soon after did you start producing the drop? Well, the first uh, vintage was in 1993, and uh, that's probably when Mum realised there was more than a few vines being planted around the place. (laughs) (laughs) 
started to grow by stealth and then uh, dad said i'm just going to put a few few vines like the old country back in greece and a little shed to uh, well we might just have a little shed to store them and next thing you know uh, you know there's concrete uh, foundations and bricks and uh, mum was quite surprised so this obviously became more than just a hobby and a part-time thing helen when did you realize when did you and tom realize that you're onto something here. I think when we bought the property, Tom knew exactly what he was buying it for, unbeknown to me. Mm. Um, once he said he was going to plant some vines, and of course, then it sort of went further down the next sort of block until it was all full of grapes. Not long after 89, the early 90s, you mentioned there, Christian, you had some international acclaim is that right yeah i think the the first uh, the first vintage was only a semion and dad being daddy was a he used to build shopping centers he uh he had some spare tennis court lights so he decided to install them uh, near the house uh, just to light up the barbecue when he was having a barbecue and some uh, english uh, tourists drove past saw there's one place on caves road that had lights on pulled in thinking they might find a restaurant and uh Turns out they were uh, wine distributors from England and they, uh, you know, dad being dad, invited him in and said, look, nothing's open, mate, but uh, you're more than welcome to stay and uh, have a barbecue with me and uh, cracked open some of this uh, first semi-on and then they invited him to the uh, to England to uh, display it and... Uh, and uh, at the Vintners Club of uh, London. Not bad for uh, your little old Perth and Margaret River. Um, so how, how, how are you feeling at this point in time, Helen? What, what were you thinking? You, or you just want a little quiet country property to, to go away from Perth from time to time and all of a sudden you're Tom straining into another into the wine business? Yes, one of many adventures that I've <laughs> experienced with Tom. But it has been a journey. It's been hard but very rewarding in many ways um, and the boys grew up with it. They had a lot of fun down there in the times. Tom always had a vision and he didn't at the time know a lot about growing grapes and producing wine but he spoke to many people down there. He would read books and he taught himself a lot about the industry also just by talking to people who were, um, you know, winemakers or grew the grapes. So um, he's always been a very positive man. To his credit, he never took no for an answer. I remember no. once upon a time there was a bit of land on the property where <laughs> uh, a winemaker at the time, one of his first winemakers, said, nothing's going to grow here, Tom, don't be silly. You know? So uh, off Tom did, got tractors, got excavators, dug up all the uh, all the gravel, and then uh, underneath the gravel turned out to be the best, uh, the best soil on the whole property. Also, if I may say, when the boys were young and we had to clean the land up and get it ready, um, we'd get up in the morning and the boys would say, oh, what are we doing today, Dad? And he'd say, we're picking rocks. And they'd go, oh, no, not rocks again. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a few funny memories there. So how's the business grown in 30-plus years, uh, Helen? Obviously from a small, quaint country estate into, I guess, more than just that. It's a, a world-renowned uh, area and place, vintage and brand and label. Um, how has it impacted on you? I mean, you said it's many positives, but um, you, you, there's, there's, surely there'd be no regrets. 
No, when I look at it now, when I'm up at the, the winery and um, I sit back and I look at what's around us and um, I've often said to Tom, you know, I can't believe that from something that was just a dream mm. for you to where it is today is really a credit to him. So for me, it has been overwhelming in a lot of time, a lot of ways. Um, I haven't been a great consumer of wine, which many people find strange. Um, but he he kind of did introduce me to trying. And the estate, it's got a cellar door and restaurant. Yeah, restaurant uh, has been uh, undergoing renovation. Yep. <laughs> And uh, hopefully that'll get uh, going again the next uh, next summer. And uh, we've also uh, we've had a couple of events there. We had the uh, the Huda Gurus perform on site. It was a big big show there. How recent was that? That was uh, about ten months ago. So pre COVID. Pre COVID, yeah. Which is a nice segue then to my next question: How has COVID impacted on your operations? Well, I mean, initially uh, exports obviously dried up a bit. Um, you know. We, get a, we do a little bit of exporting into China and Singapore, like most people. Uh, that, that slowed down, and that's only just started to pick up now. And also, obviously, a lot of, uh, lot of suppliers in the East Coast um, you know, ask for extra terms, additional terms. Because your cellar door was closed as well under the restrictions at the time. Correct, yeah. Well, how big of a blow was that at the time? Uh, a very big blow. As, as most um, you know, small vineyards would agree that uh, a lot of the... Uh, the revenue comes from having a good cellar door. Kristen, your brother is actively involved in the business. You've gone in another direction. Uh, you're a director of Perth Tate and you run uh, show screens, a production company based in Valcata. Do you get involved, other than today trying to get all the glamour, uh, do you get involved with the business on, on any level? Yeah, I try, I try and help as much as I can uh, in the things that I'm good at. So uh, obviously with, with our background in the events and stuff, we've uh, we've helped run a few events down there and... Um, you know, try and expose the brand to a younger audience than uh, than would normally uh, visit Driftwood, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's uh, seems to have uh, worked so far. Excellent. Well, look, I want to get more. I want to dive deep into, I guess, what makes a good wine, what the topography and the climate of where Driftwood lies. So, I'd like to bring into the conversation your chief winemaker, Kane Grove, who's been uh, patiently waiting on the line all the way from Margaret River. Kane, are you still with us? I am indeed. Excellent. Thanks for Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the show. Paint me a picture, if you can, of where the estate lies. Where exactly are you? We know you're in Caves Road in Margaret River, but uh, I guess for anyone who hasn't been there before, what are you surrounded by? What do you see? So we're located in the sub-region of Williabra, so that's what we like to call the heart of Margaret River. It's a little bit further north than Margaret River, We've got the, the Indian Ocean, uh, less than five kilometres to our west, and that has a massive influence on, on, on the, um, the site itself. We're also sort of affected by, by the uh, maritime influence of that climate. Very Mediterranean, very hot, dry summers and, and mild, wet winters, um, which is uh, ideal for, for growing grapes. And, and a uh, report published by a, a guy called John Gladstone in 1965, found this, this area itself, the whole Margaret River area, but also encompassing Willy Abra. It was very similar to Bordeaux in France. 
Mm. Uh, so lots of sunshine, um, similar temperatures, and, and that sort of uh, allows um, the growing season to sort of, you know, be extended and have long, slow ripening of the grapes, which, um, yeah, obviously produces the, the higher quality uh, grapes that we see from this, this beautiful Mugger River region. What kind of range are we talking about in terms of the, you know, the, is it a sav, is it a, a semion? What, what what can one expect who hasn't been there? Rosé and a late harvest. So these wines are very simple, fun, a little bit cheeky, a little bit sweet, um, and really worth worth coming in um, especially for. The next one up, we've got our collection range. That one's sort of like a an entry level, but still very, very good quality. So that one's, yeah, your, your, your traditional Mugger River blends, your, your uh, Semillon Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, um, Cabernet Merlot, and uh, Shiraz Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a, a sort of an older blend, but um, it does really, really well, and, and we, we quite like that one. Uh, moving up from that sort of entry level, you know, expressing the fruit in the vineyard, we move into the artifacts range, which is sort of a, a little bit more specific to varietals. That one sort of encompasses your Chardonnay, um, your Shiraz, your Cabernet Sauvignon, and we've also got a few um, varietals that you don't often see around, like Malbec and mm. Petit Verdot, which um, are quite exciting because, uh, you, you know, you're getting something a little bit different when you taste those wines. And just finally up to our um, our, our, our top wines, which is the single-site wines, which were only developed a few years back. We just saw that the potential of the fruit off this property was was so good that we had to make a, a, a sort of exclusive uh, small batch um, release of wines. And, um, yeah, it's proven with the awards that, that are coming in, it's really proven a, a great idea and it really captures the you know, the elegance of the, of the property and the fruit that comes off it. All right, so what's a Rolls-Royce in the whole range, would you say? I understand uh, only recently, a few weeks ago, James Halliday gave a, a, a rave review uh, in relation to one of your drops. Is that right? Yeah, so we've, we've, definitely the Rolls-Royce are the single sites. Um, for sure, they're, they're, the, they're the, top of the top of the range. Yeah, we did. We got a great result for both our Cabernets, actually, in the... In the um, in the Halliday Cabernet Challenge, which is, yeah, obviously Australia-wide, and um, very, very happy with that. And our Chardonnay, which uh, got the um, the Singapore Airlines International Judges Trophy last year, um, mm. 2018 Chardonnay. It also picked up a gold medal, 96 points, um, in the local, uh, the 2020 Decanter Wine World Awards in, in the UK. So those wines, yeah, really really uh, getting some momentum but what we what we really want to do with those wines Peter is we want to we want to keep them small batch exclusive and yeah really sort of yeah capture the vineyard as I said before I let all three of you go uh, Christian and Helen I'm happy for either of you to answer this one what is it when someone walks into onto your estate and they purchase a wine what is it that you th- want them to walk away with when they think driftwood what do you want them to walk away with, thinking? Well, you'd like to think that they've uh, had a, a good value drink, like uh, Kane said. You know, nice quality at uh, at the right price, and obviously an experience on the estate. Absolutely, an experience. It is a unique, uh, a unique uh, vineyard down there, and there's a bit of an amphitheatre at the back that was uh, 
made uh, ad hoc and uh, certainly <laughs> something different for the region. And does that get utilised quite a bit? Yeah, uh, we, we've started to have a few more shows there and there'll be uh, hopefully a couple more in the uh, new year. And uh, Any performers coming from the old country that might uh, build out a tune or two in the near future? <laughs> well, they... Dad would always wanted Nana Muscuri, but that can't happen. So, well, she sings in quite a few languages, so you never know. You, you could you could merge a, a partnership with the local councils down there, and uh, you know, make everyone happy for the make it a regional affair. Christian sounds, sounds like a plan for the future. Look, uh, it's been uh, thoroughly insightful uh, and fun to uh, speak with all three of you, and um, a, a great unexpected pleasure to bring Mum along today, Christian. So, well done. You get uh, extra pitter points for that. Speaking of which. Uh, Helen Galopoulos has brought us here at the LSA some freshly made pita pie. Uh, if you don't know what that is, Google it. Um, we'll show. We'll snap up a, uh, a photo on Instagram a bit later on. But uh, thank you, Kane Grove, Christian and Helen Galopoulos from Driftwood Estate. Thank you so much for joining us on Package today. Thanks for having us. No problems at all. Thank you.